Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look. And I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to a bit of optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the official Mass Singer Podcast. A production of iHeartRadio and Fox, executive produced by KT Studio. That's how you do it! We are the one, the only official podcast for the Mass Singer. Hey! And you know what time it is, man. America's number one show in the biggest best mystery game on TV. Who is that? Hey, y'all, what's going on, man? It's your boy, Bow Wow. That's right, your official host, a.k.a. The Frog, season three. Welcome, welcome. I'm so excited. Tonight, I'm going to talk to one of our mad singer guest panelists. This is my dude, the great Wayne Brady. That's right, I said Wayne Brady. Yes, yes. And I've also got the very first interview with tonight's unmasked singer. You guys do not want to miss that one. Awesome job, indeed. Yeah. And I'm also going to chop it up with the Mass Singer production designer, James Conley. That's right. And as always, I have this week's exclusive clue. I'm thankful for the clues. But before we get into all of that, let's go ahead and recap what happened in episode nine. Our Group D finalists! Oh, snap! It's getting heated. And when the votes were cast, we had to say goodbye to Broccoli. Take it off! Come on, Paul. You're a legend. I'm very humbled. You have this kind of fun. You should all be very, very proud. Okay? Oh, that's beautiful. Well said. Beautifully well said, Paul. Oh, man, the legendary Paul Anka. Yo, that was crazy. We're going inside scoop. Let's check in with Jen O'Donnell. Jen, talk to me. Thanks, Bow Wow. Here's your masked scoop report. Jellyfish is still keeping us all guessing. Last time we talked about how Jelly could be an Olympian. Maybe Gabby Douglas or Simone Biles. But... Now the gold medal guesses just keep on coming online. This time I'm seeing theories about jellyfish being either gymnast Michaela Maroney or Olympic snowboarder Chloe Kim. Kayla Maroney released her first single earlier this year, so we know she can sing. However, we saw a nail file in this last package which made some of the judges speculate that maybe Jelly has a makeup line, which could lead us right back to Gabby Douglas, who has her own lipstick. 
let's move on to Mushroom, who is currently stumping Reddit and the rest of the internet. Mushroom's game-changing clue said that they like to switch things up and at one point changed their name. This could rule out two of the most popular guesses so far online, singers Jordan Fisher and Billy Porter. But it could point us closer to another popular guess both online and by Nicole this week, actor Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs' first name is actually Scott, or Scott Hay, as his friends used to call him. Thank you, internet. So, maybe now Tay Diggs will also be called Mushroom. We'll see. That's your Thanksgiving helping of the Masked Scoop Report. Back to you, Val. Thanks, Ken. I appreciate that. Now that we're all caught up, let's go ahead and get this thing started, shall we? Who is that? All right, all right. Now, my first guest tonight is an Emmy-winning actor, comedian, game show host, guest panelist on season four of The Masked Singer, and the winner of The Masked Singer. This is my boy, Wayne Brady. Yes! <laughs> Wayne, what's going on, big dog? Hey, man. Thanks for having me, sir. Nah, no doubt, man. I got to ask you, man. I know you've been offered a lot of things. When you was offered a chance to be on The Masked Singer, I got to know, what was your initial reaction, man? I, I remember sitting in my office. I was getting ready to fly off and do a show. And then I got an email that said, said, hey, this is the mass Singer. We'd love for you to be on it. I was like, okay, well, let me open the email. And they sent, and this is a video. And I immediately knew that my boy Joey Fatone was on the show because I recognized mm. his voice. And I was caught up in this thing. And I was caught up in the guessing game and caught up in the drama. I got caught up in the stories. Each person had a story. And I think that that's what we all want to share at the end of the day, no matter how well-known you are, you have a narrative that the public has sculpted that you didn't necessarily have anything to do with. And it's a perfect opportunity to, to prove that out. And that's what I loved yeah. about the show. Wow. Oh. As our king, it is my honor to present you wow. with this trophy. Wow. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you, sir. The golden mask. How determined were you to win? Because I know a lot of cats were like, yo, you know, I just wanted to come in and just do my thing for like an episode. And I'm, you know, and then you realize like, oh, wait a minute. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really good. Like, they really voting for me. I was in it to win it from before I signed the contract because mm -hmm. for me, there was no upside to doing it and only downside to doing it if I didn't come across well. Because right. maybe to about half of the people watching the show, they didn't know that I was a singer and a Broadway star, but the other half knew. So I really right. had to think about how was I going to come across. The Fox swagging it out. Who are you? Mr. T-Pain, that was one of your songs. Yeah. Tell them about his performance. Oh my God, I loved everything about it. So I'm gonna have to be able to pick my songs and then I'm gonna have to be able to help with the staging of my piece. Like I need to be in control of my narrative. And so mm -hmm. what's the costume? So when they gave us the option, you know, like when they walked you through through all the choices, the Fox right. hit me immediately because they showed me this um, steampunk sketch. And uh -huh. I'm a big <laughs> fan of steampunk and sci-fi. And I went, okay, I know how to throw people off because I'm going to create mm. this whole sci-fi narrative and walk this way and talk this way um, and not even talk and like present myself this way. And I had a leg up because when I was a kid, just like Joey Fatone, I was mm -hmm. a, a character at Walt Disney World. So I mm. was used to being in a tigger head. Oh, it was wait, not to cut you off, my brother. I, wait a minute. Hold on, bro. This, 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 you, wait, you worked at Disney World? 
Yes, sir. From 16 oh. to 18. Wow. I never knew. Um, I started okay. off as a character and, and then I became a singer there. So as a character and then I started singing and dancing in the part. But I love being a character. So I was mm-hmm. used to that whole, how do I communicate something with just the tilt of the head or how I stand? And once I came out the first episode and Nicole, I think she was the first one that said, ooh, it's Jamie Foxx. Then it all came together because I went, oh, mm. if they're going to say Jamie Foxx, I'm going to stand how I've seen Jamie stand. On, right on. on various award shows and try to copy that swag when he walks out. So I'll keep feeding into that. <laughs> right. I know who that Crafty. is. You do? Yes, I do. I think I got I it. I got it. Did I that help it. you what? at all? Crafty that you and caged in? That, that helps? It's just all start clicking for me. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fit the clue package, but I, 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 I think it's Jamie Foxx. It sounded <laughs> a little like Jamie's tone at some point. Now I'm really confused. Well, one thing we could definitely pick up on is it was an amazing performance. That's big. And then about your songs, you, you mentioned the songs earlier too. How did you go about putting this, the, you know, your song selection together? I had a list of things that were my favorite because I wanted to put together this whole story. Because if you look mm-hmm. at all the songs that I sang, I think I sang like Tennessee Whiskey and Blame It. And, and each of the songs I sang kind of had this narrative of this fox looking for his long lost love. Put all the performances back to back and it told the story. Plus I wanted to sing a wide variety of songs because I wanted to keep mm-hmm. throwing them off because what I caught from the people in the first season was because everyone sounded the same way, you could right. lock in on them easier. So I played with genres. I started off with a rock tune and then go mm-hmm. to do a Panic at the Disco song and then change it up and then do every little step you take and throw them off with, with a Bobby Brown joint. Step out there. You killed that too. Thanks, man. So it was a whole plan. Now, we know, man, the world knows you from your acting skills, your TV appearances, all the shows you do. But one thing I got to commend you on, my brother, is the fact that you're, you're a triple threat, man. You, you've released two albums and you earn a Grammy nomination of your cover, Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come. What inspired you to get into singing or who actually inspired you to get into singing? Well, I've been a singer since I started. You know, when I got out to L.A., I'd already done a lot of musical theater and I'd been in bands and I'd made my living as a singer. Before I even got on Who's Line and really got my first roles, it it was being a singer in corporate bands and in wedding bands. And I was a lounge singer in Tokyo and I was on tour in Europe. I did all that to support myself. So the biggest irony to me is all of my friends that knew me pre-TV, when Mm -hmm. they first saw me on Who's Line, they were like, what are you doing on TV doing an improv show? You're a singer. I was like, no, (laughs) I do all this improv and acting stuff too, but y'all just didn't know. And so I end up with people just knowing me from this thing. But if you look at it, the reason that I got on Whose Line was because I sang and danced and did all the impressions and did the musical pieces. So doing The Masked Singer was my way of bringing the people on board that didn't know that there was a ship to get on board. Right on. One thing that I always ask my guests when they come on the show is what lie did you tell family, friends, everybody once you were on set, because you know you can't tell nobody. Well, I incorporated the best lie Uh-oh. incorporates elements of the truth. Okay, let me hear it. So anytime that somebody would ask me while I was shooting it and they're asking me where I'm going, I would just say, I'm going to work. Because the reality was I was going to work. I was shooting two shows at the time. I was shooting Let's Make a Deal at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I was on, on Black Lightning playing Gravedigger. Mm. So, right. so I would say, oh, I'm going to work. Oh, okay. And then they would just say, fine. Once the show came on the air, 
Then I still incorporated elements of the lines that, wait, hey, is that you? And went, how would I have time to fly from Atlanta and do yeah. Black Lightning and be on this yeah. damn show? <laughs> I, I loved it. Um, I couldn't even tell. My mama didn't know. Ev- everybody. They think just because it's mom Duke's like, hey, hey, I, I birthed you. You you can tell you you can't tell me. It's like, nah, uh-uh. This, this is the hope. Now, before I let you go, Wayne, I gotta know, man, what else is new? What else is on the way? Super exciting, man. I've got this next season of Let's Make a Deal to Do, where I'm uh, of course I'm hosting and um, I'm an executive producer on it. I'm gonna be hosting a new show on Fox. I can't tell you which one as of yet because the announcement has to go out, but I'm telling you as an exclusive. So just look out in the next couple of weeks for the press announcement to happen. But I'm so thrilled to be joining the Fox family. I've got second season of Wayne Brady's Comedy IQ, which I'm going to be knocking on your door to beg you to be a guest. It's my take on the rap game. And I've got special guests, so I would be honored to get you. So I'm going to come knocking on your door. Man, you better come knock on the door. I was about to just say, I'm not letting you out the building, man, until we link up and, and we do something again, dog. So most definitely, man, I'm proud of you, my brother. You already know that. Man, my pleasure, brother. And you keep on doing your thing. Show folks that you, you, man, you've got that hustle, sir. You have that hustle. I'm so proud of you. Appreciate you, bro. Thank you, sir. All right, you guys, right now, what I want to do is just see, let me put on my tongue right now. I'm going to talk real smooth when I introduce this man right here. I want to bring in tonight's hum man. That's right. It's a legendary singer. The song has sold more than 10 million albums. This man has worked with everyone from Buddy Holly, legend, Frank Sinatra, legend. And the man has written more than 900 songs. Incredible. It's the man, the legend. Paul Anker is in the building. My goodness. Thank you. What's going on, Paul? Thank you very much. Now, I got to ask you, man. I asked sure. all my guests that stopped through the show, man. What was your initial reaction when you got the call and they said, hey, yo, Paul, we got this show. You're going to wear this mask and you're going to be singing. Well, my reaction, obviously, was uh, okay because I was a fan of the show. You know? <laughs> right. I'm, I'm sitting around with kids and, you know, grandkids and everybody's digging the show. Right. And then when I got the call and I'd been quarantined, and I wasn't looking at working for, you know, another year and a half. Right. And I want to get out of the house. I said, <laughs> wow, this is perfect, man. I got to get out. I got to feel what's outside. I got to, you know, get some new energy in my blood. So I was all over it. It was kind of a different experience, you know, but it was cool. It was a lot of fun. Well done. Brock and roll, baby. Brock and roll. Honestly, this whole show is about having fun and you embody that in the form of a vegetable that i refuse to eat as a child which is why i have the body that i do great job broccoli (laughs) great job how did you go about choosing the broccoli like how did that costume speak to your personality what drew you to that actual costume i dig broccoli i eat broccoli anyway and i like the i like the costume so i jumped all over broccoli it was that simple right on let's talk about the pen because the judges listen as long as it's not ken that's guessing I'm, i'm sure ken probably through the most wildest guesses out there. Right. But one thing that I that I realized about Robin and, and, and Jenny, they are spot on a lot. And Robin actually seemed to be right on to you, like from the very, very start. How did you feel, you know, when he was putting the clues together for you? I saw there was a moose. So he's a fellow Canadian, as my father would say, Canadian, <laughs> from the voice and the knees. I know this person to be very fit, a wonderful human being. I think it's Paul Anka. Yeah. Oh. All right. Ah. Good guess. 
Yeah, well, I, you know, I've known Robin, knew his dad may rest, but I think he knew from probably the tone of my voice uh, right. that it was me. So I, I figured mm-hmm. he would be the threat in a sense. Right on. And then, of course, I have to give you your roses, man. You've had a long, illustrious career. And and, yeah, and yeah. I got to ask you, how did you actually get started singing? Well, I was born in Ottawa, Canada, and a small town, you know, 200,000 people. I wanted to be a reporter, and I did some, you know, cub work at the Ottawa Citizen, and I got thrown out of a shorthand class. I didn't dig it. So I said, what else is open? They said music. So I said, okay, I want music. So I went and started taking some music. And uh, you started with drums and started with trumpet. Then I figured, you know, we couldn't afford drums. So I figured out what's the cheapest. So we picked up an old piano, put it in the basement. And I just started writing, man, because I was a writer first. Mm. And um, I started writing, but I had the, you know what it's like. You get that fire in your gut. You get the passion. Mm -hmm. And you find your purpose. Yes, yes. And, you know, I had it when none of this was around. You know, there's none of these music shows. Pop music was in its infancy stage. Uh, and right. then I broke into a rock and roll show that came to Canada, Fats Domino and Chuck Berry, because I was a big fan of Fats Ooh. and Chuck. And I broke in backstage and got an autograph on my leather jacket. And uh, Fats Ooh. was real cool. And I sang, I sang Diana to Chuck Berry. And he said, it's the worst wow. song I ever heard. Go back to school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. So about, about two years later, I got a contract. Record comes mm-hmm. out. I'm 15. And uh, by August, I'm on American Bandstand. By September, wow, I'm working the New York Paramount with Chuck Berry and Fats Domino. Wow, I reminded I reminded Chuck of what he said, and uh, Fats was very cool. You my boy, I knew you hit it. I know you know. I told you, Polly. So I used to hang out with him, and uh, it all started right there. I mean, it happened real quick. Within a year, I got real lucky, and you know, it was wow. part of that. It was part of that wave that that, that really took it to another level. So I've always been bitten by the music and that's how it started for me. It sounds to me like you were very determined. Like that that that's yes. that's a crazy crazy story the fact that you were right there in front of Chuck Berry and you know he said, "Nah, go back." And then next thing you know, full circle, you come back around and it's like, "All right, I'm here now. Remember that?" And then, you know, just to, that like, like that's just a beautiful situation. You know, you get lucky with your art, your passion. Now you got to deal with a whole new set of circumstances as to how to you know, live with it, learn with it, and stay clean with it, you know. So when I wound up with the Rat Pack and the mob, you know, in Vegas, I'm I'm still a kid. They're all twice my age. So when I'm with that crowd, you really learn what to do, what not to do, and how to behave. And when you're with Sinatra and Sammy Davis and Dean, you know, you really get the sense of what you have to do to be a professional to do it. Because back then, there's no technology, right. man. There's no sweetening it right. up. You learn a lot of good things. And that's just traveling that journey that you're on, trying to get wisdom one day to really deal with it. Because none of us, none of us have that kind of wisdom when you start out young. you got to learn as you go. Exactly, exactly. Great, great piece of advice right there. And, and speaking of your writing skills, let's, let's, let's touch, let's go ahead and let's hop into that realm right there. Because sure. the Tonight Show theme song for Johnny Carson, you wrote that. <laughs> Like, I wrote that. No, da, 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 da. <laughs> man, come on now, Paul. Man, listen, yeah, it's I know. too much. It's too much legendary stuff going on right now on the podcast. I the, the Tonight Show theme song. How did yeah. that come about? That 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 is beyond iconic. Like whatever word is beyond iconic, that's what that is. Well, that's my college song, meaning I put all my kids through college. I believe it because <laughs> <laughs> no one knew. 
No one knew what that was going to earn. So I was mm-hmm. doing a, a TV special in London, and someone said, we need some comedy in the middle of the uh, special. I said, well, send me some film. Let me look. So they sent me a, a film of um, Johnny Carson. He was just starting out in the business. And I looked mm-hmm. at it. It was really funny. So I said, yeah, he's cool. Let's use him. So came on the show, got to know him a little bit, uh, came back to New York, ran into him. His manager was in our office building. And I said, hey, Johnny, what are you up to? He said, well, I'm going to take over this Tonight Show. I'll, I got nothing to do. I'll do it for about a year. Ha, ha, ha. And uh, <laughs> so I said, well, what's happening? He said, well, I'm going to do this. He said, I might need a new song. Well, you know, you know what it is. That's, a, right. that's all I got to do is mention that. So, you know, I had this thing in my head. Very just catchy. So I, I knocked it out, sent it over. He called Ooh. me up. He said, you got it. <laughs> so it oh. goes on the air. And, uh, you know, it became, you know, the longest running theme, as you may know. And uh, oh, it was a, it, it was a cool move from a very simple song. You know, I just wanted it to be catchy. Yeah. Man, that, that, that story right there is amazing, man. Because yeah. it brings me to, to this point. As I'm listening to you talk, we have a lot of similarities. We both started young, yeah. even in your clue package, right? You said it, it, it ain't easy being a kid rolling with the OGs, but yeah. performing is my passion. And that's how I was with, you know, with Snoop Dogg when he found me. I was six years old. So a lot yeah. of things in your clue package I definitely get to. One thing that I definitely wanted to ask you, though, who was the big cheese and what was that project? I had dinner with the legendary friend, the big cheese. I need your help on one final project before I grow moldy. Capiche? I raced home, and after pulling an all-nighter, I cooked up a beauty that really packed a punch. The big cheese is probably Sinatra. Whoa. Okay, you know, so now... Because I'm, I'm with Sinatra, I'm hanging with these guys, right? and, you know, it's, it's the steam room, it's showgirls, it's fun. Nobody's watching exactly. you. You know, Kennedy's showing up. I mean, I'll leave out all the details. So, you know, we're having a good time. And through it all, I'm 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 this kid, you know, working two shows right. a night, sometimes six weeks in a row. And these guys are, you know, they're they're, they're my mentors. But in there, right. Frank's always teasing me, when you're gonna write me a song, you know. And I see Sinatra down in Florida. He flew in to do a movie, and I'm working the Fountain Blue Hotel. We go to dinner, and he mm. said, kid. He said, I'm quitting show business. I'm going to retire. You know, when you hear that from a guy like that, that's a major blow, you know. So mm-hmm. I said, I can't believe it. He says, I'm doing one more album before I retire with Don Costa, who was my right. producer who found me and who I introduced to Sinatra. So anyway, I go back to New York where I'm living at the time. I sit down, 12 midnight, major thunderstorm outside. Mm. And uh, I start writing it. Uh, metaphorically, as if Sinatra were writing the song. I finished it at five in the morning. I called him at Caesar's Palace where he was working. Mm-hmm. I said, uh, sir, I got something, blah, 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 blah. He said, bring it out. So I flew out, gave it to him. He looked at me. You know, he was always very cool. He was always Frank Sinatra. He said, I love it, kid. I really dig it. I'm going to do it. And then I got a call <laughs> four months later. He was in a studio in L.A. And I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I'm in New York. And the operator said, Frank Sinatra calling. Okay. You know, when he calls you, jump. So I get on the phone. He says, kid, listen to this. And he put the phone up to a speaker at, I think it was Sunset Sound or one of the studios. And I heard Sinatra mm-hmm. for the first time over the phone doing my way. I said, wow. And I started crying. And that was a big change in my, my writing life and uh, my career writing that for Frank. He still retired you know, a bit after. It's amazing. And that was it. He was the big cheese. He was definitely 
the big cheese. That had to be, listen, I'm jealous just listening to these stories. I wish that I could live in those times because what's so funny is I just had a birthday. Well, last year for my birthday party, it was Rat Pack themed. I actually brought Las Vegas to Atlanta. That was my whole thing. We brought the showgirls in. that, That time... The music, the fashion, the hair, the everything of that pe- yeah. that time period is so influential even to this day. Like, it, and it will forever live on to be that way too. Yeah. What else is next? I see you working on an album. You're working on some music. Yep. What else? Well, it's, um, yeah, our tours are booked. Everything goes through June. I've been in the studio, man. And all I've been That's doing right. is knocking out music. We just finished uh, Bocelli. Uh, I'm getting ready to do Your Lady, Brandy, because you had that song with Brandy, right? Yeah, I did record a record with Brandy. I definitely did. Brandy's a great, great person, sweet person, and great friend of mine. Well, I'm, I, you know, I, like I'm going to send you an advanced copy, man. I'm going to send you an advanced copy. What? When we chuck Got out it. this, I'll get a hold of you, and we'll uh, I'll send it to you in Atlanta, and you, you know, keep, keep it in a half drawer there. Nobody else hears it. That's what I'm talking and about. I'll send you a first copy. I'd love to know what you think, you know. Oh, man. I, listen, I know I'm going to love it. I'm going to get my red wine. I'm going to... You know, put on something real fly and elegant and walk around the house and feel important. That's what I'm going to do when you send it to me. Well, I keep the promise all the time. Bow Wow, this has been fun, man. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, man. That's what it's all about. Stay healthy, man. Stay healthy. Always. You too, Paul. Okay, bro. Take care. You got it. All right. We all know the mass Singer is stunning visually. We know what it's about. The costumes and, of course, the performances are always electric, but there's so much work that actually goes into it all. You know what I'm saying? From the design of the stage to the lighting and the props. And my next guest is the man that is responsible for all of that. He is a primetime Emmy Award winner. He's also worked on The Voice, Top Chef, Project Runway. And now it's the mass Singer production designer. It's the man himself, James Conley. What is going on, my man? How you doing? <laughs> wow wow you are at a hundred percent i love that thank you so much i need that announcement all the time <laughs> hey man for what you do for the mass singer you deserve it <laughs> so for those of us that don't know tell us what the production designer on the mass singer does what do i do i um i make the mass singer world i create the stage i build it every season fresh and i Whoa. set up all the video screens I set up all the chairs for the audience, the, I, every little detail, every prop that Ken and Nicole touch at their desk, the binoculars, the opera right. glasses. And so, yeah, that's that's sort of my job. And, and it goes from what you see on camera all the way into backstage elements, interview areas right. and all those little special spots, even kind of where you guys hang out, too, when you're uh, all dressed up and your, your break rooms. Right. We set those up, too. Most right. of my work is in the very beginning. And I, when I first got okay. the call about the show, I thought, I think, I think my career is over. What are you talking about? What is this crazy <laughs> show where people are going to dress in costumes? <laughs> and what am I supposed to be doing and making this look cool? But that's really yeah. kind of what I do. I'm very uh, intrigued, man. What, what got you into to set design? Like, what got you into this, man? Uh, I basically kind of found my little group in high school drama, the backstage kids, right. the emo kids backstage. And I was like, we were just hanging out. Like, it was a fun time in high school. I was okay at school, but I chose to go into theater uh, and not even being on camera, like, just kind of, like, set design or crew, whatever, in college right. because 
I didn't really want to do foreign language and I didn't really want to do science mm -hmm. anymore. So I just kind of like chose this a little bit because I, it was something that was sort of fun, I guess. And so when I graduated school, I was like doing like dioramas, like set designs for plays. And I really loved it because right. all you had to do was read a play and then make like a diorama around the play. And I was like, oh, well, that's great. And when I got out of school, I moved to California and took some prop jobs and I loved reality television. I was so, such a fan of watching it on TV. And so yeah, there were yeah. lots of different shows being made. And so for, with my theater background, I just started taking job after job and I just right. really like it a lot. So, Man. yeah. And I tell people that a lot of times too, when you love something, it's just a natural thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and what I want to know is where do you draw the inspiration to design these sets? Like, how do you come up with the actual image and then you bring it to life? Talk about the process. I guess it comes from like your gut. Like you're a musician, like, you know, yes. you just, you just feel it. And it, it takes a second to get there. Um, you kind of got to like, think about some things. Sometimes I have to like put in my calendar, like, do not disturb and like i just need a few hours oh, sometimes for me it's like playing the same song over and over and over again kind of like a little hypnotically so you kind of get in your head a bit you're kind of like teasing out some options i doodle a lot um and then something clicks and you kind of listen you just roll with it you just mm -hmm. commit you go for it and then you draw out a whole picture and for mass singer the problem was uh in the very beginning was is this is crazy right. what am i doing this should feel like you're at like a music festival. Like the people should be super close to stage and like on the floor. They shouldn't be in like Correct. game show bleachers. And, and they should be appreciating like the cool art that's about to come out. And so I wanted to do like a little bit of that. And every time you make something, you kind of like, you bring a couple of those feelings and you put them, you know, in like a pot and you cook it out a little bit. So I, I, right. I, I like meet with my guys. And then they look at my sketch and they're like, okay, well, we'll build this in 3D a little bit. And then I send it off to really like the television makers, the producers, yeah, okay. the director. And then they send me back notes. And I need those notes because I, I want to get better. And then just like a general contractor is going to fix your house or build you a house. Right. I'm like an architect. I will general contract all the different vendors to make it. So the, wow. the carpenters and the painters and then the sculptors the video oh folks, and then we'll mm. come up with a plan. And we assemble this, no joke, in a week and a half on a stage. Oh, man. But yeah, it's a lot going on and on, but it's a long process, and it, but it is fun. Yeah, and what I want to know is what's your on-stage process like when you get a call and something's not working? Prime example, my finale performance on season three, we had issues with like the, the silver box, the Puff Daddy, yeah. Yeah. whatever you want to call it, box thingy-majiggy. Yeah. How often do those calls ring into you? This happens all the time. I mean, oh wow, yeah, the issues happen. That's what we have to. That's what what we have to do. That's our job. And so problems like this, like the video floor, for instance, you know, you're standing on top <laughs> of half inch glass, but sometimes right. uh, the stuff shows up and the video's broken, or before an episode, a little thing goes out, or the glass cracks, or like you said, like your box oh. just yeah. malfunctions. You kind of keep a team of technicians around you through the run who are like handymen, like jacks of all right. trades. And so you start there, right? And then you're like, okay, if, well, if they can't fix it, 
Then really through relationships, like I know a guy, I actually know like probably like three dozen guys. You just start your phone calls and <laughs> you creatively pivot. You work with choreographers, right. Tiana and Michael and lighting designers and you figure it out. You know, if it, if it didn't work, you try something else and something else that you right. can access fast and that you have experience with. So that makes it exciting oh, yeah. and it's cool. And that's the thrill, right? Like when you're on stage yes. and it's not going oh. on, like it rattles you, but it's exciting. Yes, it is. It definitely is. James, man, thank you. Hats off to you. We appreciate what you give us each uh, and every week, man. Thank you so much. You're just making me smile this whole time. And I really appreciate the chance to talk to you and your listeners. Thanks. Thanks so much. All right, you guys, it's that time again. That's right, man. It is time for this week's exclusive clue. Tonight, we got some scoop about Seahorse. So check this out. The clue is Seahorse's latest album and my role in CSI Cyber have a lot in common. Okay, I'm going to read that again. Seahorse's latest album and my role in CSI Cyber have a lot in common. I'm going to let that one sink in. And it's crazy how everybody's like these clues. They all have like some type of resemblance to me. All right, you guys, that is a wrap. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Join me next Wednesday with all the behind the scenes news. I got another unmasked singer who will be joining me. And as always, I have another exclusive clue. And from me to you guys, I love you guys. Thank you all for tuning in. I'm out. The official Mad Singer Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio and Fox, executive produced by KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And don't forget to tune in to the Mad Singer on Fox every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. The world is full of magic and wonder, if you know where to look and I'm obsessed with looking for it. I'm Simon Sinek, and I host a podcast called A Bit of Optimism. Each week, I have a short conversation with someone who inspires me or teaches me something about life, leadership, and other curious things. I hope you'll join me on the journey. Listen to A Bit of Optimism on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search... To find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.